Well, Broadway fans, it has taken us a long time to get here, many more months than we anticipated, but we finally have a list of nominees for the 2020 Tony Awards, which we're very excited about. It's very uh, fun to have that Prediction Center back at Gold Derby and you know, talking about Broadway once again. I'm Sam Ekman of Gold Derby. I'm joined by David Buchanan. And David, what was the, you know, this list comes out. We've been waiting for a long time for this, uh, thinking about what's going to happen. Who are you most uh, pleasantly surprised to see? Who are you most excited for? Um, well, a few things. As you'll see as I drink throughout our video, I'm a huge <laughs> fan of this show right here. So I'm thrilled that that landed six nominations. I mean, we knew it would get at least three, more than likely, but um, it did really well. So I'm really thrilled about that. I'm thrilled that Slave Play did as well as it did. Um, you know, we knew, again, that would do really well, but I don't know if any of us knew it would, was going to get 12 nominations. That was thrilling. Um, and broke play, the record. For I know. Incredible. For Incredible. Um, and one that I, I'm really happy about, I wrote about it in my little wish list item, was Jamie Lloyd for directing for Betrayal. Mm. Um, that was kind of like on the cusp, but I thought that was the strongest aspect of that really beautiful production. So I'm really thrilled that, that he was in there for that. Yeah, I was happy about him. I, I thought he might miss out, even though yeah. the production was so well loved. But it's, you know, sometimes we see when it's a smaller cast or a minimal, uh, minimally staged production that they don't go to that because that doesn't scream director. Um, yeah. But I was happy he got in. Um, I was really happy for some actors who, you know, the fun thing about the Tonys is that, like, yes, there are famous a-lister names in there. There's Tom Hiddleston and, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal got in, but they, they also celebrate these hardworking theater actors who aren't necessarily household names, uh, who are nevertheless doing incredible work. Uh, one of those for me was Cora Vanderbrook from, mm -hmm. from Linda Vista. She was so amazing. And I, I think it's like one of the few times this season where the, I've experienced an entire audience start cheering in the middle of a play for a character uh, for her. <laughs> She was awesome. Uh, so that was very well deserved. And I, I was really excited for Paul Hilton uh, from yeah. The Inheritance to get in. And, you know, there was a lot of slave play actors too that I didn't, I didn't know if, how many would get in because so many of them were under the featured uh, yeah. acting categories, but uh, Otto Blankson Wood and James Cusati Moyer, people who weren't necessarily guaranteed. Um, Shelley Latour was a huge surprise. So it was yeah. nice to have, it's, I think Slave Play was one of the strongest ensembles. It's a real ensemble piece, and it was nice to have so many of those cast members there. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, as we also found, it's not, uh, not everyone showed up. Not everyone had as happy of a morning. And what, what in your opinion, was the biggest snub of the, um, the nomination? Two, two came to mind that I was really hoping for. One, uh, to go back to my lovely mug, uh, was Will Hockman for The Sound Inside. Um, I thought he was really tremendous in that production opposite, you know, a brilliant stage actress, Mary Louise Parker. Um, so sad that he didn't make it. And also speaking of two-handers that had an acting snub, I thought Michael Shannon could have potentially gotten in he for Frankie great. and Johnny. Yeah. He was really terrific in that. I mean, Audra was obviously, um, excellent as well and she's in uh actress but i'm um, sad to see those two miss out especially since those were two-handers and you know they played off off their yeah. actresses so well 
Yeah, I, I think it, that lead actor category was really, really tough this year. Yeah. Um, the, the shortened season had no bearing on how competitive that category was. So there was, I mean, we didn't, well, we could talk about it when we get there, but there were a lot of men uh, left out of that race. True. Um, I was just, you know, I knew it wasn't going to be a big player, but I just couldn't believe that uh, the Lightning Thief was just eliminated all across the board. Uh, you yeah. know, I knew I, it wasn't going to get nominated for Best Musical. It's a, you know, it's a theater works tour, really. Uh, so it's, the set is built to fit into a truck and, you know, break down easily and tour. So it wasn't going to get into design categories, but like, Ryan Knowles, I think, was the funniest person on Broadway this season in a musical. He was absolutely hysterical. I, I like it when sometimes the Tonys, you know, those first time nominations are really fun when someone is so, sort of solidified as like, hi, welcome to the club. And I was yeah. sort of hoping that would happen for him. Um, and then, you know, this lead actor in a musical race <laughs> where they just said, no, Christopher Carroll, we don't think you're worthy of uh, this nomination. Uh, has to sting a little bit for him. Um, Absolutely. So that's really unfortunate. Um, yeah. And if we want to go over to uh, to the musicals for that lead actor, Aaron Tveit, it, it was interesting. I thought I, I had to reread the rules because I, in my head I thought, why wouldn't they just announce him as winner? Because, you know, James and Ray right. like, and the nominees are Aaron Tveit, <laughs> fade to another category. Yeah. Uh, but he actually has to get 60% of the vote from the Tony voters in order to win. Do you think that's going to yeah. happen? I do. I don't, I mean, it's possible that, you know, more than, you know, it's possible that it doesn't, but I just can't, I can't fathom that. They're going to look at that and on a yes, no vote, say we'd rather not give a Tony in this category than give it, give it to him. Especially since I think we're we're on the same page that Moulin Rouge is probably out front for best musical, um, so and I don't think it's going to win actress. So I feel mm -hmm. like, I mean, yes, you know, we'll get to featured actor, but I think it'll definitely pick up uh, Danny Burstein. But I just I can't fathom that if it's the best musical front runner or at least you know uh, in competitive in the race that they're going to say we're going to choose not to give this give this award this year. Yeah, I. I think Moulin Rouge is out front too. I do see a scenario where Jagged Little Pill could take it. It is. It yeah. did get, um, you know, 15 Tony nominations, which is insane. Uh, and it, I don't know. I feel like, especially if this was a year where, where things were in person and more like in-person campaign things were happening, mm -hmm. I could see Jagged Little Pill is just kind of the the show with a lot of heart. It tackles a lot of contemporary issues of race and sexuality and uh, sexual violence and um, yeah. addiction. So it has a lot that feels very urgent and immediate uh, and is the one that has all the emotion to it, I think. So I feel like if they wanted to, if they really want to gun for it, Jagged Little Pill has a definite shot to take Best Musical. But I'm just, I think, you know, Moulin Rouge is escapism to the max it's mm -hmm. you know it's just the most lush you literally just escape into the moulin rouge which i think uh everyone is very excited to do uh in the what that's kind of what resonates right now in a in a global pandemic that's shut down broadway i think the most lush most beautiful most uh happy peppy one will will pull through there um for for lead actress you mentioned I, I also 
don't think Milan Rouge is going to take that one, though. That's going to be one of their main losses because I think Tina Turner, uh, Adrian Warren as Tina yeah. Turner is sensational. Yeah. I mean, even in what's so striking about a lot of the musical categories, especially featured, the people who I think are going to win would be in the top one or two or three slots, even if we had that full season, knowing mm -hmm. what was going to come in the spring. So the winners in all those categories are going to be really terrific contenders, um, Adrian Warren included. Yeah. Well, who do you have for, let's talk about the featured actor and actress races since you brought it up, but who, yeah. I mean, I think Danny Burstein is out front. Do you agree with that? I do. I do indeed. Yeah. Um, I don't. Um, I'm, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was just looking because we have our, our prediction center back up on Gold Derby and some people have started to trickle in and Danny Burstein is the overwhelming uh, favorite at number one. The next in line, according to our readers at the moment at least, is Daniel J. Watts, uh, who mm. plays Ike Turner in Tina Turner. I don't even know, the guys in this category are all great, but it just seems like yeah. a perfect storm for Danny to me a little bit. Absolutely, um, especially since, I mean, he's had many opportunities to win and he hasn't in what I think are incredibly close races. And this just feels like a race where he's far and away out front and um, I have to predict him, predict him now. Yeah, I am happy there's a lot of first time nominees yeah. like Sean Allen Curlin, Derek Klenna, uh, Daniel J. Watts again is first time nominee, but um, I, I just feel like there's something around Danny. He's been, you know, he was fantastic in so many things over the years and now seems like such a great time to finally reward him. Um, and he's also, Absolutely. you know, he had to battle. COVID-19, a very severe case that he detailed uh, publicly, and it just feels like time to reward him. Um, Definitely. And then over in Featured Actress, we have three women from Jagged Little Pill getting in yeah. with uh, Lauren Patton, Celia Rose Gooding, and Katherine Gallagher. Lauren Patton has been out front, uh, as she should be for that rendition of You Ought to Know, but since there's three of them, does vote splitting come into the picture? Does that complicate things for you? I mean, in other categories, potentially, but I think this one is kind of clear. I mean, back when we were thinking company was going to open, the race was really between Lauren and Patty Lapone, in my opinion. Um, so without Patty and company and ladies who lunch in the way, you ought to know is like one of the standout moments of, of the musical season. So I, I don't want to say she's, you know, a lock for a win, but I think she's definitely far out front. Yeah. Um, and one category we have to make sure we talk about, uh, because it's normally one, uh, it's always been one that a musical has taken home. But this year, Best Score is going to go to a play for the first time ever in Tony history, because they only nominated uh, the music from plays. And I, this was another one where it was just like, Y'all really did Lightning Thief dirty. He just really <laughs> did that one dirty. Um, just uh, so yeah. what, I, in your opinion, I don't know. I think A Christmas Carol, just because it has like Carol is in the title, it's yeah. going to make people be reminded of the music in it. But the weird thing to me is that, you know, 50% of the music for this category has to be original to the theater. Uh, so voters are not really voting on the actual carols. They're voting on the, the music that Christopher mm. Nightingale did, the incidental music right. and everything around it. But they right. may not just, they may 
just get the carols in their head when they come to vote for this. That's what they're going to be thinking of, and they're going to think music. So yeah. I feel like that stands a, a strangely a great chance at winning this. Yeah, I know. I agree. I have that out front um, for exactly the reasons you're talking about. I mean, it's the most obvious use of music. Um, I also, I mean, I have Slave Play in second place right now. Again, not necessarily because the music, the incidental music written for the show is coming to mind immediately, but um, the score is so important to the to the work. Uh, Rihanna's music is is so important to the work that I just feel like it, when you're looking at that lineup and you're thinking about what musical moments stood out in these plays, those are the two that immediately come to mind. Yeah, I think The Inheritance had a lot of musical moments, especially mm. like That's when true. they reveal the the house and there's a like there's a lot of magical moments, for lack of a better word, with the Ian Forster yeah. character that are underscored by music. So I think, you know, and that's a big uh, contender for a lot of awards. So I feel like that True. does have a shot, but it's it's difficult to uh, to figure out. I also do think the Rose Tattoo, even though that, I think it only got two nominations, this is one of two yeah. things for it. This is a really well-deserved uh, nomination. I don't, you know, it wasn't a main contender for Revival or many other things, but the music in it was certainly a standout. So yeah. if they are willing to look at a show they didn't necessarily love otherwise, then the Rose Tattoo could be in there as well. Yeah, that's exactly my, the order that I have them in with the sound inside um, in the last slot. Well, if we move on to the, the plays uh, in the main top play category, it looks like, and our odds kind of have this too, that it's the inheritance versus slave play for the top. But as a, yeah. as a staunch Sound Inside fan, <laughs> and, and I am as well, do we think there's a chance for that one to surprise? I don't think so. I mean, I would love to see it. I think it's right kind of in the middle of the pack. I'm sure there are some people that would vote for it. Um, you know, I probably would if I was a Tony voter, but um, I have Slave Play out front and the, inheritance, and the Inheritance just right behind. And I think I'm going to be toggling between the two from now until whenever the early December ceremony or whenever the ceremony is. Um, I'll be really hemming and hawing. I think this is one of the closest races of the, of the, of the season. Yeah, they both feel important and they both feel very timely yeah. and of now. Um, so it's kind of hard to figure out who's going to win that race at yeah. the moment. I was also surprised, um, pleasantly surprised to see uh, Seawall Life get in. Yeah. Because I just thought, I thought they would be hesitant to um, to reward like one act plays. They wouldn't want to do that, you know. Right. Um, so I, I'm glad that, that those two got in. But it, it did mean some other shows like the The Height of the Storm got completely shut out. Across the right board. yeah and best revival of a play really feels uh, i don't know our odds have overwhelmingly have a soldier's play winning i also have that predicted to win but it sort of feels like any of the three could take it to me betrayal did well we didn't think that the director nomination would happen but it did um for frankie and johnny uh you know that only had two nominations but we also just sadly lost Terrence McNally, so there could be, yeah. you know, a groundswell of support for that. What do you think is ahead here? I have soldiers play out front in part because I didn't think Blair Underwood was going to get in that really competitive yeah. actor mm -hmm. lineup. 
So I think that's pretty telling, um, especially since the other two actors in Betrayal didn't break in. Um, and I mean, look, with the actress category, there were only four slots, incredibly competitive too, even though there were less competitors, um, contenders than in the actor category. But I think that's a bit telling that Soldier's Play is potentially out front. Yeah. Who, that actress race, I mean, I assume you're rooting for Mary Louise Parker. I think she's going to win, but yeah, the strength of slave play has me reconsidering things. Um, I think as amazing as Mary Louise Parker is, I think it's my favorite thing I've seen her in. I don't know, does, is slave play strong enough to pull out a surprise win? I think so. I have um, Joaquina Calocongo in second right now, um, which isn't surprising, but uh, you know, Laura Linney, when My Name is Lucy Barton opened, had such tremendous buzz. And right now I have Laura Linney in third. Uh, I think what helps Joaquina right now is in the featured races, there are two co-stars in each and everybody in that ensemble was so excellent that mm -hmm. I feel like voters are gonna have a really hard time picking between who's there. Um, whereas she's the only contender and actress for Slave Play and it's probably their best shot at an acting trophy. And it would be incredibly mm -hmm. deserved. I mean, I think the rate, any four of those actresses um, in any season, you know, are, are worthy winners there. So it's such an exciting lineup. Yeah, I know. There's lots of people, and I, I was watching the announcement and all of these people were saying, Laura Linney's gonna win on the chat on the side. Uh -huh. like, I think she still has to wait, sadly. I, yeah. <laughs> I would love Laura Linney to be a Tony winning actress, but I don't know if it's gonna happen for this one. My name is Lucy Barton was just, it was only around for, would it play a month and a half? I just don't think I, I had enough time to, uh, become like a conversation piece in the season as much as it needed to, to I agree. Win as many, many months later. Um, I agree. And for actor, lead actor in a play was the most competitive category, I think by far. Yeah. And I went out on a limb to predict Jake Gyllenhaal and I thought it was crazy because they weren't gonna, it came out forever ago at this point, but they mm -hmm. put in Gyllenhaal and Tom Sturridge. For I know. All life at the expense of Kyle Soller for The Inheritance, at the expense of Jonathan Price, uh, Michael Shannon, Charlie Cox. This was a huge category. Was, was there anyone who you thought would really get in that was snubbed? No, I mean, you, you covered it. I was hoping for Michael Shannon and I thought Jonathan Price, you know, Height of the Storm didn't receive excellent reviews, certainly not as strong as uh, The Father did four or five years ago. But the two performers, Eileen Atkins and Price, had exceptional notices. So that was definitely possible. Um, it's just an incredibly strong lineup. Uh, who do you have out front to win? Because I'm kind of jumping between oh. people at this early <laughs> at this early point. I think I think the race is going to be between Tom Hiddleston and Andrew Burnap. Yeah. Right now I have Andrew Burnap winning because I I thought maybe he would split support with his co-star mm -hmm. and Kyle Soller is not there anymore. Um, yeah. And that role is just so uh, explosive. He has a bunch of moments that are very clearly burned into my mind, at least, that I can recall. Uh, and that's gonna be what this, yeah. these races are about, is recalling things you saw months and months and months ago that you can't True. go and revisit. And for me, he has so many moments that uh, really, really, um, stick out in my mind mm. so i think but then again tom hiddleston could have had his co-star there and he, he doesn't have anyone to compete with either so yeah 
I think those are the two that are, that are out front. Those seem to be the two most talked about. I was yeah. also thinking maybe Ian Barford has a chance because, uh, you know, if Tom Sturridge and Jake Gyllenhaal are kind of maybe canceling each other out for support there, Ian Barford could rise up, up a bit. But his character is really, really unlikable. He does a lot of, yeah. you know, Tracy Letts is kind of examining him. Uh, he's certainly not endorsing the bad behavior of the play. He's sort of chastising it. But you still have to watch it. Ian Barford do a lot of unlikable things and play kind of a nasty guy. And it's yeah. really, really hard to win uh, for that type of role. So yeah, if, if Linda Vista had gotten into best play, I think I would have him as a stronger contender. Um, I agree. I have the race between Burnup and Hiddleston. I think Hiddleston, what it'll come down to is um, it was Hiddleston's performance just too subtle. I mean, it's brilliant. It was a brilliant mm -hmm. production and really beautiful work. But as you're saying about Burnup and those kind of moments that are indelible in your mind, Hiddleston's work um, in comparison was more subtle. It's a much more introverted play and production. So, um, but yeah, I have those two out front right now and I'm gonna, again, be toggling between the two from now until uh, the night of. Yeah, well, uh, if we move over to the featured races there, a lot of us have uh, Lois Smith out front for the inheritance. Uh, this didn't necessarily go the way I thought. I thought Ashley Park for sure would get in for mm. Grand Horizons because she was so hysterical um, yeah. coming off a nomination for Mean Girls, but she did not make the cut here. But I, I have Lois Smith, but now that Jane Alexander is in the category, who's another legend, and honestly, Cora Vanderbrook has such mm -hmm. a, a really huge role as well. I don't know. I think there's competition for her what did you think of this category yeah I have Lois Smith out, out front too um I have Annie McNamara in second I think if you're thinking of slave play and the featured actress race she is the clear standout um among the featured actresses um not to say that Charlie Latour doesn't deserve the nomination but if I was voting I think I would gravitate toward Annie McNamara's performance so I have her in second um but it could be Jane Alexander too. I mean, what's so great and striking about Grand Horizons is it has a very kind of comedic setup. And at least the, the day that I was there, the mm -hmm. performance I saw, the audience was in hysterics, but the emotional wallop that, that comes from the show is really moving. So she kind of, she runs the gamut in that. Um, and it's, and she's, you know, way out front. I mean, she yeah. could have been in the lead actress, um, in the lead actress category. Um, so the fact that she's here and she has, she's on stage for most of the show could really accrue to her benefit for sure. Yeah, she's, um, I think it's more difficult than we planned because yeah. she's giving an amazing performance, which is sort of a lead. Mm -hmm. If you break down what we look for in like awards voter, what they look for in performances, what stands out in all these awards ceremonies, Cora Vanderbrook does everything she, gets naked yep. she does like she cries she makes us laugh she makes us root for her you she checks off all the boxes she just isn't famous yep. she's not an a-lister um like some of these other women but i still have lois smith out there just because she is so revered in this community and has worked for decades i think her first broadway yeah. credit was in 1952 and she still doesn't have a tony award yeah. um not to mention all the countless off-broadway productions she's done um, so I still have her winning. Um, 
and if we move to featured actor, I think there's a pretty big battle there as well. Mm. I don't really, on its surface, I think it is between David Allen Greer and Paul Hilton. Yeah, me too. Do you agree with that analysis? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those are my my one and two right now. I um I am wondering, like, if you were talking about slave play before and how, you know, if they're if we're saying that slave play is such an amazing ensemble, they should pick up a win somewhere. Right. I just don't know. I was shocked to see Paul Alexander Nolan not get in. Man, me he too. Was, he was the one out of the four men, the featured men in the play, I thought for sure he would get in. He has that brutal uh, uh-huh. final act. He ha- is, you know, a Broadway mainstay by this point, but has yet to be nominated. And this seems like a perfect opportunity. So I was sad to see Absolutely. him left out. But um, yeah. I, I'm going with Paul Hilton just because it, the he leads you down this 30 minute monologue for an entire act of a play, which is, it's one of those moments where you feel the whole audience kind of lean in and listen to what's happening and you could hear a pin drop during it. And so that's again, one of those moments that sticks out with me that I remember, but David Allen Greer also, you know, has been nominated before and that character seems to speak to a lot of things that like, we as a society in our country are grappling with you know in terms of of race and what kind of a racist society does to the mind and the psyche of someone which he uh really plays very beautifully uh and bravely yeah. there so I'm not yeah and sure he's always he's up front. yeah and he's always on the tony nominators minds you know he got in for david mamet's race when that play really didn't perform well anywhere else he got in for Porgy and Bess um so I feel like it could also be his moment to win um I agree with you on Paul Hilton I have him in second I think the hesitation I have uh, going back to your your points about slave play is I don't know of these two who I would vote for like it would really be I'd have to sit down and really think about which of the two I would prefer and that to me is a problem just in the sense that you know, I feel like there's many slave play fans that's going to vote for one and many who are going to vote for the other. And that really kind of jumbles their path to to the trophy in this category. Especially in this case, because uh, yeah. Atto Blankson Wood and James Cusati Moore Boyer, uh, they play a couple in the play. Right. And so I think all of their scenes are together. I don't, uh, unless yeah. I'm remembering incorrectly, no, right. I'm pretty sure they are on stage in a scene Mm-hmm. every moment that they're on stage uh, is together. So that complicates yeah. things a bit more in terms of actually pulling ahead to win. Um, and you're right, that could be a place where we see both splitting uh, and someone else take the, the yeah. lead there. Do you think, um, not to linger on this, but do you think John Benjamin Hickey poses any problem for Paul Hilton since we're talking about vote splitting? No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love John yeah. Benjamin Hickey. I just think that performance is a lot more subdued and purposefully so. Mm-hmm. It's what the character calls for. He's playing yeah. a conservative, uh, you know, buttoned up right wing gay man. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it just seems like, again, if we're talking about those moments that stick out to you where you go, holy moly, mm-hmm. like that was some, that was some great acting. It, that monologue Paul Hilton has is just, uh, I will never forget that monologue. Yeah. Um, so that that's what sticks out to me. And I think in that case, you know, versus the slave play men, 
there's a yeah. clear instance of vote splitting potential in one, whereas the other one, I think Paul Hilton is like the clear choice mm -hmm. if you're an inheritance fan. Right. Yeah. Well, this has been great talking to you, David. I wish you wait to see how they all how all these things shape up during the season. So our prediction center is open, Gold Derby fans. If you want to prove us wrong and you think someone else is out ahead, let us know. Put your predictions in now. See if you can beat David and I and beat the experts on our site. And David, thank you so much once, once again. You too, Sam.